This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Homes.com knows having the right agent can make or break your home search. That's why they provide home shoppers with an agent directory that gives you a detailed look at each agent's experience, like the number of closed sales in a specific neighborhood, average price range, and more. It lets you easily connect with all the agents in the area you're searching so you can find the right agent with the right experience and ultimately the right home for you. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. Let's do it live on a Tuesday edition. Mandatory minicamp underway here in Berea. Merely Bo, the great Z, uh, coming right off the heels of Deshaun Watson's extended uh, conversation there with the media. First time uh, that he's spoken, obviously, publicly since his um, his initial introductory press conference here. Um, this one was very similar to that one. I, I know that it is the job of um, I understand that it's the job of reporters to ask questions. I think it's important for Deshaun to answer those questions the best that he can. But I think in this current situation with um, with litigation pending, I, I don't. There's not much he can say, and so that's no. what you got today was a lot of him he him believing in himself and his side of this story over and over again, just continuing to 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 take that tone, and I that you can ask the question a thousand different ways, but that doesn't change from his perspective. And there's not going to be an end to this. Not when there's, there, there won't be an end. Whenever we get whatever the penalty is going to get from the NFL, it won't end there. It no. really won't end until the very last one of these is litigated. If that's the way that it's going to go, the only way that it could ever, uh, the only thing that would stop any of it would be settlements. These are civil cases in civil cases you're looking for financial penalty yep. so that is the only way that this stops and until that happens whether in a court of law or settling the cases this is what it's going to be is every press availability he has between now and as long as he's a member of the cleveland browns going to be about this until all of this is is put behind him or all of all, uh, ribbons put on all of these boxes probably it's probably what a lot of this is going to be like 
Yeah, and it's unfortunate. I, I think that the NFL, I do think once the NFL hands down its punishment, it's going to take some of the, the scrutiny off of this because then it'll feel like there has been a ruling has been made. They've done their investigation. This is what they have concluded, and it's being done by the the judge who's kind of overseeing this process. It's not the NFL actually handing down the process. That's one of the ways that uh, this has changed in the new CBA. Yeah, he can't comment on these things. I think that, you know, what we want to talk about is obviously he's taken all the first team reps. He's a quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. I can tell you what the guys think of him. I can tell you what you see when you see him play on the field, and that's elite quarterback play. Uh, our defense continues to impress me as well, but you're not going to get a whole lot out of these, especially if they're going over the same topics that can't really be talked about. So at some point, it needs to be, you know, a situation where you are aware of what happened. We, I think it's been well documented at this yeah, juncture. It's all there. You are aware that there will be a decision made by the NFL. And then the civil stuff's not, I mean, this stuff's going into 2024. It's 2022. This is going into 2024 at the earliest. Yeah. So there isn't going to be a swift revolu- resolution on that side. The no. only thing that you're waiting for right now is a resolution from the NFL. From a criminal standpoint, all the resolutions have been handed down. No indictment. From a civil standpoint, this is going to go on for a very, very long time. And the court of public opinion is something that, you know, always rages on. And I think that once you get through some of this stuff and find out what the punishment from the league, that'll at least, I, I would hope, calm that down to some degree. Yeah, I think as long as it, it will, as long as there are, I mean, this, you know, him talking today after two more of these were filed yesterday by the same attorney. So you're 25 and 26 now. So as long as there's those developments out there, it'll continue to be a hot button topic going forward. There's just not much he can say on it. No, he's in the middle of it. So there's not much he can say on it. And if you were, I think, I think sometimes, and I don't want to say that we always have to be careful with this topic. It's a tough one, obviously, but it reminds me a little bit of the, the, what we have going on with this live tour thing where it's almost like people want the golfers to say we did this for the money yep that's what they want well DeShambo did he said it's a business decision yep that's right what that means. like it's almost like they keep asking the question you keep asking the questions and i get it but it's almost like you're looking for a different answer this was this this presser was the same as the presser he had here the introductory one it's the same one like he maintains his innocence strongly yeah, strongly. So, so he's not Beamedly. going to. Yes, he he's not going to give. He's not going to say that he did something wrong because he doesn't believe that he did. Emphatically, doesn't believe that he did. No, and other people emphatically believe that he does. And the only ones that know are the people that were there. And and so far, the only rulings we've gotten have been from the criminal courts. We don't know what the civil courts are going to to ultimately say. So that is right now at this juncture, that's up in the air. We'll see what happens. I, I think that. Yeah, look, from a Cleveland Browns perspective, right, you're waiting on the National Football League. And as everybody's been saying, that should come before training camp in terms of what the punishment, if any, will be for Deshaun Watson. And then it will go from there. But right now, he has not been punished. He's the starting quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. He has maintained his innocence. To this point, criminal courts have agreed with him that no crime was committed. Civil is a different matter, and we'll let that's going to play out. And we'll see what happens. It's also one of those things where it feels like whatever you've decided on this, there's no changing the mind. 
which is something that's our society is right now. Yeah. You know, like you say something out loud and then you'll be damned if you'll change your mind one way or the other. And I don't, I'm not, this isn't representing one side or the other. It's just a matter of no one is really going to change their view of this. The opinions have been made one way or another. Yeah. And so this is all happening and it's going to continue to happen. I, I think you're right. I think you're going to get some resolution. There'll be some end to it once the NFL makes their decision, but that will be followed by an appeal. I'm sure um, that there will be, if there is penalty that that will be handed down, that'll be an appeal. Then that'll go to commissioner Goodell. And that's the process of all of this. Um, in the meantime, you have everything that's happening on, on the football field. And it's, you know, it's our job to navigate these waters and and that's the the reality. The reality is this thing was broadcast everywhere around the country live. I mean, it was on ESPN. They broke into programming to show this thing. So this is what the world at large is going to be talking about today is going to be this press conference. But in the meantime, this football team had a mini camp as well. And you yeah. and I navigate these waters. That's the job. And that's one that we're very happy to do. That's that's the that will be what just happened here in the last 30 minutes is all anyone's going to be talking about this afternoon and into tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's the reality of this situation. It's going to be that way for the foreseeable future, certainly. In terms of what happened on the field in the first day of mandatory minicamp, we will go over that today. Uh, Coach Stefanski spoke today as well. You had a one-on-one -on -one with Joel Batonio that we will have for you on the program as we get things moving as well. And we'll take a look at some of the things we saw on the field today because there was a lot going on on the field, some really a impressive ton. plays, some guys yeah. that we really like the look of, guys we've talked about a lot. It looks like they're really showing out and have had – really putting a nice ribbon on what's been a very, very productive spring for the football team. So we'll get to all of that. We're off and running here on a Tuesday edition. Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. ESPN Cleveland. And the Bath Authority can give you that bathroom of your dreams. You can transform your current bathroom into a custom bath. It'll have a spa-like feel to it. Let the Bath Authority make this a reality for you at a fraction of the cost of the competitors. The Bath Authority is our area's premier bath and shower remodeler expert, factory-trained installers. Give them a call now. You get 500 bucks off your next custom bath or shower remodel. That number is 216 220 8399. Guys, they have the largest selective bath projects. They're all made in the United States. If you need to do a tub to shower conversion, they got you covered. Superior products, expert installers, 500 bucks off right now at 216-220-8399 or go to thebathauthority.com. So on the field, uh, we had mini camp day one. We got to see this full team out here, uh, one of three days. But did you feel like, Z, that this was the one where it would be most real, or do you think that'll be Thursday? Uh, we'll see. We're at the stadium on Thursday. I think today was the one that most resembled a traditional full-on minicamp practice. We knew in the team portion that they were going to take it very easy. So it really is a, a passing camp. It's a seven-on-seven. Seven. You know, That's the crux of the most competitive periods that are out there. Uh, this was the first time that we've seen this team in completion offensively. 
We saw Joel Batonio for the first time this offseason, and, and we're going to hear from him later on in the show, uh, rounding out that offensive line. We still haven't seen Jack Conklin yet as he recovers from yeah. injury, but in terms of everybody who was available to be there, they were all there. This is the first time we've seen Miles and Clowney together this offseason. Clowney was here for a day, and Miles was here uh, you know, for, as well throughout the offseason, but they weren't there together. And so this was the first time you got to see this entire team um, it's an impressive team. It's a talented yeah. team. I mean, I talked with Joe Woods, which I think we're playing later on this week, but I talked with Joe Woods, had a great conversation with our defense coordinators. He came off the field today, and, and the fact of the matter is it's just a really talented football team. It's a very talented offense uh, with an extremely talented quarterback, the best running back tandem in the NFL, um, some very good receivers, uh, a very good tight end, and David Njoku, a great offensive line. And then defensively, you've got you know one of the best edge tandems in the league, you have got probably one of the most athletic linebacking cores in the league now mm -hmm. with Jacob Phillips, who is, if, if you want to say who's a star of the offseason so far defensively, there's two that jump to mind immediately, and it's Jacob Phillips and it's Grant Delpit. Yeah. Delpit had an interception today uh, in the red zone. He's just seeing the field so well. He's around the ball. You can hear the way he's talking to everybody else about what their responsibilities are. He's stepping up. Jacob Phillips is stepping up. But it is just a long, lean, fast athletic back seven and they're all good denzel is good greg is good greedy is good he didn't participate today but then mj emerson slides in you said man this guy is this guy is good yeah the safeties ronnie coming back to, to be with john and with grant who's taking the big leap jacob phillips and and you talk about um jok and anthony walker and sioni tech tech i mean they're all the guys we know they're running it back that's rare the coaching staff running it back so <clears throat> there's a lot of continuity in this defense there's a lot of talent on the field, and I think that's what just stands out when you're out there. You're like, this is a talented, talented group on both sides of the ball. And so the linchpin obviously becomes how many games will Deshaun Watson play for the Cleveland Browns this year? And obviously, the more he plays, the more realistic it is that this team can win a Super Bowl because they are that talented. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah, that's it. And so you see, it, it is a little overwhelming to see it all out on the field together, and I think especially – you know the offense with Watson. He has he has so many gifts, and that you know you're working in some new guys there. But to see this defense kind of return intact with Joe Woods, it's just evident. I mean, it's really evident. Uh, the the I saw Delpit make the interception play where Watson's looking for Amari Cooper. You know, kind of corner of the end zone, and Delpit reads it and comes over and makes that interception. Like they're rangy. They are long. They are rangy. They make up ground in a quick amount, in a short amount of time, a lot of ground in a short amount of time. They fly to the football. Yes. A lot of them look the same um, in terms of their 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 build. We talk about a lot. They're all 6'2", 210, it feels like, 220. Um, they all kind of look the same. They, they're just – it's an amoeba – effect on the defensive side of the ball it really is it's just they flow to it very very quickly they're very sure of themselves I, you mentioned it with Delpit I agree with you on him being the, the star one of the stars certainly for sure he just he's everything you drafted him to be he looks completely comfortable in his skin he knows the answers to the test that defense to me has been it has a chance to be just sensational this year it could so, end, so so athletic it could end up being one of the best pass defenses in the NFL period and yeah. I think that you know if you're the Browns there are ways that I think Joe Woods can get really creative this year where we have guys who can get to the quarterback, but we have so many guys that can cover. And I think that there are there's a possibility to get, you know, say, let's just get our best guys on the field. We know JOK can blitz. We know that Ronnie can blitz. We know that, you know, uh, AWOC can blitz or Jacob Phillips can blitz. So 
I, I think we're going to see some things that maybe might not necessarily be traditional, but allow us to get all of our best athletes on the field, to your point. And I think that there is tremendous upside in the back seven. There's tremendous upside, obviously, at the front when you have those edges. Jordan Elliott has really stood out. Taven Bryan, they love his fitness system. And Joe Woods told me, you know, he was a guy that when he was coming out of Florida, I loved when I was in Denver. Obviously, we didn't get our hands on him then, but we've got him now. Um, so I think this defense has potential to be, I mean, elite, like really, truly elite shutdown lockdown in a way that defenses really aren't in the NFL anymore. And quite part of it's the rules are, are not for that. But if you honestly, if you think about the Browns going out there in a look where they've got on the field at the same time, you know, Phillips, JOK, Grant, John, Ronnie, Greedy, Denzel, Greg, or, and then you can sub in MJ Emerson for maybe Ronnie or one of the linebackers. You can move, you know, parts around and you say to yourself, okay, who's back seven in the league is more athletic than that. And I don't know if there is an answer. And I mean that sincerely. And that's one of the things that's jumped out, I think, to anybody watching this camp is, you know, Deshaun made some great throws today, but also at times in seven on sevens, he's still having to check it down because our coverage is so tight. These guys have all played together. Yeah. They know the scheme. They're getting great coaching, uh, obviously just the defense as a whole with Joe Woods, but the back end in particular with Jeff Howard and with Brandon Lynch that it is an un and, and coach Tarver whose back is neck injury behind him. He's flying around the field now again, which is great to see, but that this defense is impressive and we haven't even seen it with the benefit of the pass rush that you know is going to come whenever you have miles Garrett on the field. And obviously miles Garrett and Jadevian Clowney together. Yeah. That's the other part of it. Like you have the back seven and then you have one of the greatest pressure producing fronts with those two guys at defensive end in the league. So it all adds up. And I think your point is, is well taken that from a pass defense standpoint, it's, it's going to be, and it ought to be as good as anybody in the league. And you just see, you know, where they are with woods and how comfortable they are all with him yes. uh, and, and what is being expected of this defense going forward. So on the defensive side, uh, that's that was it. Did you take note of anything in terms of who was out there first team? Was there anything like that that jumped out to you or was it at this point? Is that even anything we're concerned about? No, I think our first team nickel defense is it was today. Uh, Miles and Clowney at the ends, Taven Bryan, Jordan Elliott in the middle. Um, your linebackers were Phillips, and it feels like Phillips is the starting Mike. It just it feels like he's jumped Anthony Walker, Walker yeah. who has been a consummate professional and leader about everything, and a guy that is great who's going to certainly have a role. But it feels like you know he and JOK Taki comes in when there's the the, the base defense, um, and then your corners outside in nickel are Greedy and Denzel. Inside would be a Greg today. MJ Emerson was in for Greedy. Uh, your safeties are. John Johnson and Grant Delpit. And now Ronnie comes in and plays some dime. We've seen MJ Emerson play some dime yeah. uh, when Greedy was out there. We've seen Denzel get reps at nickel as well on the inside. Um, and, and, you know, what's going to be interesting to me is to see how do we put this front in pass rushing situations? Is it going to be, you know, we're going to get our four best pass rushers out there. So is that going to ultimately look like Miles, Clowney? Does Alex Wright do that? Chase Winovich, do you go four DNs? Do you go three DNs and just bring a couple of blitzing linebackers mm -hmm. with it. And so you can have, you know, three DNs with JOK and Phillips on the field and show, you know, all five near the line of scrimmage. They don't know where the rush is coming from. And you've got your back seven behind that. I think there are a lot of things that Joe Woods is going to be able to do with this defense, the flexibility of having so many guys that can cover and that can run the way that they can. And so I think this defense is going to be exciting. I do expect it to be somewhat innovative this year in terms of some of the packages that he decides to put together. But this is a team 
that is going to be incredibly difficult to throw the football against. It's going to be a team that is built defensively, I think, to absolutely play with a lead. And if you were to look in all the advanced analytics and all of that that are coming out about defense, is the most important thing in the world from a defensive standpoint is not to allow chunk plays, especially via the pass. Yeah, I, This is a team that I think, and, and early in the season, it was tough for us as the season went on. We stopped that, and we became a very, very good defense. And I think we're going to be better this year, significantly. So versatile. It's so funny as you were going through that, as you're going through that nickel, and you're talking about the guys who aren't in, like the guys who aren't in are dudes, <laughs> you know, like the guys who are rotating in, whether it's a walk or Harrison, like those guys rotating in are absolute dudes, and it speaks to the versatility and the talent that's been accumulated here on the defensive side of the ball. On the offensive side of the ball, uh, Deshaun Watson in this offense, we've seen a lot of of really cool things over the course of the last month. Uh, this was one that was completely open to the media, so you had some triple option working with with. Uh, Chubb and Hunt both in there with Watson. Uh, we've seen him in the pistol. We've seen them do some things with Anthony Schwartz. Uh, this will be something where Kevin Stefanski, Deshaun Watson, AVP, the three of them start to build this thing through camp. But I can tell you this, based on the little that I've seen, is that the groundwork for that has been laid this spring and that the jumping off point when you get to August is going to be pretty dang good, that a heck of a base has been laid here. Yeah, and I think we got to see some things today, some wrinkles there that that have to be exciting, right? You look at the the ability to run a triple option where you've got Deshaun giving it to Nick Chubb, but then you've got him also coming out of it and rolling to the left with an option with Kareem Hunt. And so we saw that today in one of the plays. There's so much that this offense has to do um, when you look at the fact of the talent that you've got in your backfield, the good line. Amari Cooper continues to run great routes. Anthony Schwartz had some very nice reps today that got Chad O'Shea fired up. DPJ continues to impress. You've got tight ends in Njoku and Harrison Bryant. It's an offense that, again, can be incredibly versatile. David Bell knows how to get open and catches the football whenever it's thrown to him. So you've got a lot of ways to win out of 11 personnel. Yep. You've got a lot of ways to win out of two running backs, uh, two receivers, and one tight end, which was traditional pro form. But for the Browns, it all never really looks like a pro form. It looks very different because you've got Kareem and Nick on the field together. You can use your two tight end sets with Harrison and the Chief. You know, Maybe we won't see as many three tight end looks as we have in the past, and I think that's fine because our personnel dictates – that we have more talent in other places and our ability to throw the football is vastly changed. So this is, yeah, again, this team has the chance to be very, very special. It is talented. It's incredibly talented. It's incredibly well coached. And so right now all we're waiting for is what version of this team do we have for how long? When do we see it? When do we see it? Yeah, that's yeah. it. And that's something we don't know. And I, you don't have, you know, we, you talked about yesterday a little bit and it, you know, does feel like the NFL has, has done this investigation that they're on it, but until there is some sort of ruling on that, um, you're not going to know. And so that's kind of where you're floating out there. But based on what we've seen on the on the field uh, this spring, all spring long, what we saw here today in the first day of minicamp, this is an ultra-talented football team. It really is. It's just a matter of when do you see it in its full capacity, how many games in, if any. Maybe you see it get week one. It's hard to say where all of this could go, and everyone's kind of floating around without much clue of, in terms of, of when or, or how long that whole thing will look with Watson. Um, Kevin Stefanski met with the media today as well. You will hear from that coming up. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. 
Certainly a lot of bad advice out there about gambling from secret methods to picking lottery numbers to betting big when you're on a roll. The myths can lose you money and get you in a lot of trouble. So before you wager, find out what's real and what isn't at KeepItFunOhio.com. Coach Stefanski addressed the media after practice today, the first mini camp practice of the week. Here's what he had to say. Let's have a listen. Okay, good to see everybody. Uh, really good work out there. You know, with this being the mandatory mini camp, obviously you got uh, the full roster out there. So great to get some solid uh, situational football work uh, again in the red zone third down uh, and then just I think what we're doing as coaches is really challenging the players we're putting a lot in each day uh, this week so there, there's mentally this is taxing them and that, that's by design so it should be hard they should have to spend extra time with it uh, because we're trying to just prepare them for in season how uh, you have a lot in that game plan so a challenging day uh, but a, a good day's work and now we'll go back inside and uh, have some more meetings and I'll, I'll walk through later. But with that, I'll take any questions. Kevin, last week you said there, there'd be a point where you'd adjust accordingly in terms of yeah. uh, snaps for percent. Have you reached that point yet, or are you talking about in July? No, I'd say waiting on more information. You know, going into the season, we're not at that point yet. No. What is it you like really best about Jacoby Brissett that gives you confidence he can win at the start? Yeah, I do have confidence in Jacoby. Uh, he's he's played a lot of football for a young player. He's a smart player. He takes care of the football, uh, good size, uh, can make all the throws, those type of things. Has been in multiple offenses. Uh, so our offense is a little bit different than what he's done previously, but has a really, really good understanding of, of football, uh, football intelligence, that is. So I just think he's a, a really good operator. Kevin, in terms of, of Deshaun and possible discipline, has the league given you any idea or, uh, when this could come down, any time frame whatsoever? Not to me, no. Kevin, Jack um, obviously isn't practicing yet, but what have you seen? You said he's been here every day. What have you seen from him, and is the hope still that he's – or do you think he'll be ready to go when training camp starts? Yeah, I think we'll see on training camp, Scott, but he's been here every day. He's working really, really hard. I think he's transforming his body. I think he's getting stronger. Uh, as you know, Jack Jack's attacked this rehab, uh, but him being here and being around his teammates has been important. But where that looks, I don't know, but I'm, I'm very confident that he's on schedule. And obviously he's a, an all-pro guy, so how important is he to what you guys want to do? Yeah, Jack's somebody that we really value uh, as a player and certainly as a teammate. Uh, he's a, a tough football player, uh, important to what we do, and, and we'll be uh, excited when he can get back. Yeah, I think we've kind of talked about that previously, Mary Kay, where these guys are professionals and they have to uh, deal with whatever is going on in the building that day and, and can't have that uh, stop them from doing their jobs, really. Do you think, Kevin, like given Jacoby's career path up until this point, that he's maybe extra suited to, to kind of handle that uncertainty? Yeah, if, yeah he's had some interesting uh, experiences in, in his young career. Uh, just through New England, uh, what happened in Indianapolis with Andrew Luck retiring. So certainly has had a uh, action-packed or a ton of experiences packed into that short career. Off of that, Kevin, I mean, Brissett, we talked a lot about him bumping up, but Josh Dobbs would also mm -hmm. bump up to the backup. How confident would you be if you had to enter the season with him as the two? Yeah, Dobbs had some really nice moments out here today, uh, has played good football, played good football at a big program in, in college. Uh, very smart, as we all know. Uh, so, yeah, I think Dobbs is doing a nice job. Kevin, what goes through your mind when you see there's not, not the two more lawsuits uh, 
with Deshaun? What, what, what do you think when you see more coming on? Yeah, I think, Jeff, with that, I'm going to be consistent and, and with what I've told you before, and I'm just going to let that situation play out. Does it affect you, though? Like when you when, when the news comes out and you see it does, it, does it have an effect on you? Aside from your respect in the process, I understand that, but like when you, when you see it. Yeah, I'm not going to get into those type of things. I would just tell you every single day, trying to make sure that, that we uh, focus on what is in front of us. Coach, what do you say to the team about that? Because obviously you can't totally block it out. I mean, it's in the headlines almost every day now. So what do you as the coach say to the team? You have to have addressed this at some point. I think with anything that's happening outside of our building, we've been very consistent with our team and making sure that we focus on our jobs when we walk into the building. And that's that's uh, this situation, any situation, you name it, you got to make sure that you have a job to do when you're here, and that's really what we're trying to do. Dump it out a couple of good plays out there. Does he start to look like the guy that you you know, Grant's been, he's been really good. He's done a very nice job. Uh, I think he's got a really good understanding of what we're trying to do, Marlo, which is half the battle because you can play fast when you know what you're doing. Uh, but he looks really smooth and in and out of his transitions. You saw him make a play uh, on the ball, so he's doing a really nice job. Was there any point you, would, you were considering at all canceling minicamp? Or did you want to get something accomplished that you hadn't yet accomplished? Yeah, I like this offseason. I like when, when you have players here and you can get work done so no that was not a consideration well he's battling through an injury right now but uh to date has, has looked really good in, in drills and uh you know provides that spark brings something to the table in the return game which we're excited about no it's uh he's, he's working through it but uh, it's it's not long term with the since this is your first full legitimate off-season program on the football field with this team just I'm curious how you, when you go back and you sit with your coaches and you're you're watching practice film and, and stuff like that, just from a coaching perspective, how do you evaluate the film? It's easy to, you know, see a defensive player make a play and say, well, the defense is ahead of the offense and stuff right. like that. So I'm just kind of curious, like from a coaching perspective, how, how do you evaluate that film when you're just kind of sitting down going through it? Well, I think the first thing you have to realize is the way the rules are written, it's not written for the offense and the defensive line. So there's no pads on, there's no contact. The rules aren't written to have a, a ton of runs in, in your program because you just can't have contact. So it's harder to evaluate the offense and the defensive line, certainly in a program like this. Uh, having said that, I think they're getting a ton of great work in their individual periods. And then you can evaluate their alignment, assignment, those type of things. Uh, and then for us, really in total, when you're out there and you're practicing, the defense does a really nice job of taking care of the offense when the ball's in the air. We don't want any collisions. So you'll see a defensive back make a break on a ball and pull up knowing that he doesn't want to, even a pass breakup, we don't want that because we just don't want contact. In this uh, day and age and where we are as a football team, where we are here in June, we will make sure that we practice really hard and practice really smart. I, I can't speak to that because not invited again. But during that dead period, uh, we really don't have contact with the players once that Thursday hits until their uh, report date. Uh, but they have to spend time on it, and that's both individually and if you can collectively, that's great. Uh, but we're really looking forward to wrapping up this off-season program. But then that window in between those whatever it is, four or five weeks, are so important to make sure that you're coming uh, into training camp in the best shape of your life.
He's the head coach of the Browns, Kevin Stefanski, with us, 850 ESPN. Is your team I think it's so hard to say, Tony. Uh, it's different having practice out there like we're doing. I will tell you, we've covered way more ground as an offense, defense, special teams. We've been able to install more, been able to get more reps at uh, concepts, which I think is really beneficial. But that's no different than the rest of the league as well. Uh, you know, all 32 teams have that luxury this season. Uh, but for various reasons, we haven't in the last couple. couple more this year that this is going to be my best team? You know, I don't really think of it in those terms, Tony. Uh, I really think about what we got going on that day. Uh, certainly, you know, you're always excited going into any season or, or with your guys, and you're trying to figure out ways that you're going to win on Sundays in the fall. But for right now, we're really focusing on the work. All right, there's uh, Kevin Spansky and also Aaron involved as well. So there was Coach <laughs> After presser, there's a lot, a lot of balls in the air. Give a lot, 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 of, lot, lot of balls of in the air. Yeah, yeah I mean, look, th th you got two more. You got this one in the books. Then you're gonna have two more. You got Wednesday down uh, in Canton. They'll go down there, but that is more of a walkthrough, and then they will get into probably a tour of the hall. And I'm sure there's something down there to understand the importance of the history of our game. And I think that'll be a humbling experience for a lot of guys wearing this uniform because you walk those halls, and the Cleveland Browns are omnipresent. So I think that there's a a real impact there. The coach Stefanski is looking for a little bit of a field trip. You get a little energy with that down there, and that place is absolutely awesome. Awesome. Your mic's not on, Gibby. Frankly, that is the cherry on top today <laughs> for how this day is going. Uh, the good news <laughs> is uh, it will be a very short practice tomorrow yeah. since it's going to be uh, 100 degrees. And that's yeah. not counting what it's going to be on the turf. Oh, no, it'll be, yeah. So you probably nice pick up 15 degrees, you know, with just the turf on that front. Yeah, it's so, but I didn't feel it coming in here. This morning, it hasn't, we haven't gotten that heat yet. So it's coming, right? That's the idea. Well, it, when the sun came out right when availability started, conveniently, um, it yeah, escalated escalates. pretty fast. Yeah. All of a sudden, it was it was a little stifling there by the end. How was your uh, how was your lightning last night? Do you have any any damages or just just the the no, noise and light you know shower? What? That that big line that spurned that I I guess reportedly a tornado out, out of oh really in Ashland. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they were they were cleaning up this morning with snow plows on the. Oh streets. my God! So God bless those people. Um, I didn't see I that. I know Toledo had like ninety mile an hour winds. That front line was just west of Elyria, so probably 20 minutes from us. So we got lightning and rain. We got a thunderstorm, but nothing like no, God. that big blast. Now, unfortunately, they're, they're saying Thursday this there, there will be a front coming to cool this all down, and this 100-degree weather is going to go away, but that could make for a very interesting day for the last day of minicamp, depending on when that – timeline is for the storms and the weather these type of giant weather swings no one wins with this stuff man, no you like talked this, about it so. yesterday this is what happens when it's 100 degrees and yeah, humidity to match and yeah. all that it's bad yeah it was a lightning it was the lightning was unbelievable it in last night and the thunder uh but we did not have the wind it downpoured yeah we, we didn't, didn't have the wind with it it was no. just the lightning and the thunder and the lightning lit up the whole sky it was my one dog does not do well so therefore, I did not do well right. from the sleep standpoint last night. Yeah, no, it's tough. It's tough. Um, and but by the way, speaking of weather, have you seen the stuff uh, coming out of the homeland for me? The Montana stuff? No. Yellowstone National Park is closed. I did. You know what? I did see that. So they I'm went sorry. from historic drought 
to eight to 12 inches of rain and it it created historic flooding um the main road the show yellowstone's based in paradise valley it's actually shot in the bitterroot valley which is western montana but it's based in paradise valley um the that is one of two montana entrances to the park one of them is through gardner that which i went on last year we took the boys down to yellowstone that road is gone it has been swallowed up by a river uh, there are two roads into this this small town that's kind of a, an entrance into the into Yellowstone National Park. Both roads are closed, so this little town is closed. You cannot get goods in or out of this little town, and it's loaded, Gardner, Montana. It's loaded with tourists, and there's no way to feed them all and take because of because of what's happening. It's completely shut down. Just it's incredible. A foot of rain after months of drought I, I saw a little something there was a drone they put a drone up to yes. show the roadway around these around these mountains that was it and it just you're like what am i looking at and then you look get close and you're like well that road doesn't exist no there's a car meanwhile between the two areas where the road has no longer exist correct and you're like well i wonder how they're getting out today well in and the this isn't exactly like replacing a pothole on 71 Correct. or 480. You like, were on the edge of a cliff. You're on the edge of a cliff. And so to build the road, you're going to have to dig into the mountain again. Like this could take a year to build that back up. And this is the height of Yellowstone tourists as it season. So, no, it's it's absolutely crazy um, uh, what's going on weather-wise here. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't have the damage. I didn't realize there was that type of damage around the area. I missed that. That sucks. There's yeah, nothing more helpless. It, it, it was the worst thing is it's it's at night you can't see it you don't know yeah and then all of a sudden it's like oh it's one o'clock in the morning and we got to run for the basement yeah that's like, that's uh, where you're at yeah that's where you're at uh, uh godspeed to those out there with the damage it's uh it's terrifying stuff so um we will go around the league coming up next a lot of the conversation today is obviously about about deshaun watson and the press conference we will replay that for you in the two o'clock hour as well you listen to cleveland browns daily on 850 espn cleveland Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Oh, this is a fun one, both for my friends at Renew Home Exteriors, where beautifying and protecting your home is their passion. Upgrade the look of your home, create a high return on investment. New siding for Renew Home Exteriors, ranging in every architectural style in over 50 colors. We serve 1500 bucks off and a free insula- insulation wrap, plus 0% interest for qualified buyers. In addition, Renew Home Exteriors will meet or beat competitors. Estimates up to 10% or pay you 100 bucks. Beautify your home with premium siding and roofing products at lower prices with Renew Home Exteriors. Visit RenewEstimate.com for more. They are awesome, and we welcome them on board. Very good to have them on board as we go around the league on this fine Tuesday. Uh, a lot of news around the league. And let's start with our one of our other quarterbacks currently on our roster, and that's Baker Mayfield. This is from Jonathan Jones of CBS Sports NFL Insider. Their new insider there, by the way, at, uh, at CBS, um, is this notion of the Browns and the Panthers dealing with a potential trade with Baker Mayfield. Uh, the Panthers, according to Jones's report, the Panthers would like to get something done now so that Mayfield can have some time with the team during this week's minicamp, but there's no sign that anyone is budging on the salary front at this point, so it comes down to how much does anybody want to pay. Um, from the Panthers' standpoint, would the thinking be, hey, let's have Baker compete with Sam Darnold? 
Yeah, I guess so. You want a lot of quarterbacks in the room. It is, and you want to if you want to make a move for him, you want to get him back as quickly as possible, right? Or you want to get him into your building and into your playbook as quickly as you possibly can. So, I think that there is the Browns are content to just kind of let this thing play out as it is. They the leverage they have is that they don't feel compelled to do anything. So, the Panthers, if you want him, you're going to need to pay a portion of it. They'll work that out, I'm guessing, and then they'll have you know a quarterback that is better than Sam Darnold at this point. They drafted Matt Corral. They've moved up in the third round to draft Matt Corral. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. It's one of those situations. I think for Baker, it would be great for him to have a new home sooner rather than later, and I think for the Browns, it would be good to have this resolved. But there's no urgency for the Browns. There's probably more urgency more for him for Baker. Yeah. And you know, you want to see him get a chance to succeed wherever he goes. You know, I, I isn't Winston coming off of a knee in New Orleans? Yeah, yeah. Like to me, that would be more than Carolina. I have no idea what their salary cap situation is, um, but you know, is Winston all the way back from the knee? That to me would make more sense. This Carolina thing, I mean, just from his perspective, um, that's that's just so many quarterbacks in one room. It is, and my guess is that maybe there would be a, uh, that would be another move from there. Right, so you would we would see how that goes. But when I look at you know some of the teams, look if Jimmy Garoppolo isn't with the Niners, that's a team that would make a lot of sense because who's their ba- who else do they have besides Trey Lance at quarterback? They've got Nate Sudfeld and Brock Purdy. Does that does that keep you happy? Is that does that keep you satisfied? I don't know. I don't know. Knowing Bake, I don't know how he would do as a backup. I mean, that might be part of what this is right now, but just he's such a force of personality. I don't know. Um, obviously, the one that makes the most sense is Seattle, but I don't think Seattle's trying. I think Seattle wants to draft C.J. Stroud. I think they do. I think Atlanta does. You yeah. know, they, I know they drafted Desmond Ritter, but you'd say they do. So Andy Dalton is the one who went. To, I knew they'd sign somebody. Andy Dalton's in New Orleans. He's in New Orleans? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. that would probably take them out, but... Yeah, there are. It feels like there are teams that, but it would be the teams other than Carolina where he could compete. You know, he's coming in to be a backup, and so yeah. the question is: is you know, would Minnesota want him as the backup to Kirk Cousins? You know, they've got Sean Mannion and they've got Kellen Mond, who was a third round pick in twenty one. Do they like Kellen Mond? Is he developed? Is he the guy of the future? I don't know. There are just I think about the Bucks. You know, sit behind Brady for a year. They brought Gabbert back, and they have Kyle Trask. Yeah, I don't know. I yeah, I'm not sold on either one of those guys. But I, mean, I you know, I don't know. Yeah, the Rams, all, there's all familiarity. The Rams make a lot of sense. Their backups are John Wolford and Bryce Perkins. Yeah, you know, do they want to have an insurance policy in case something happens to Matthew Stafford, a team that can compete? That the options just aren't that good, and and nobody's paying though. You know, eighteen million dollars for a backup, and no. I think that's clearly why the situation is here. I don't know that. I don't know who would dispute that he is one of the thirty-two best quarterbacks on the planet. I don't think anybody would. I, no, I certainly would not dispute that fact. It's just a matter of do people feel like he ever can be a top ten quarterback? And I think if the answer to that was yes, teams would be lining up and falling all over themselves yes. to have gotten him from the Cleveland Browns. So that tells you that nobody in the league at this point believes that. Doesn't mean that it won't ever come to fruition, but teams preferred Carson Wentz to him. Mm-hmm. Teams preferred an aged Matt Ryan to him significantly at this point. 
And so those would be the two that you would say were at least in the realm that he would be in discussions about. You know, yeah. he had kind of made a public play for Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. So talented quarterback, the opportunities feel limited. And I think ultimately one of the big shames and the whole thing is that it, he just wasn't included in the original deal because Houston makes a lot of that sense. That makes all the sense. That's but, the spot. But yeah. they like Davis but Mills. they want Mills. Yeah. And so that was that led to their decision process. You have to have a dance partners in these things. And if, if no one's willing to, to engage, then it kind of is what it is. And yeah. uh, I think you hit it on the head, though. I think it's far more incumbent on Baker to find a new home than it is the Browns to, to be forced into something that they don't get where they want Yeah, uh, on that. So they can afford to be patient on this front. Um, in terms of the Bengals, uh, this from down in Cincinnati, they had pro day today. Joe Burrow said he feels fantastic. Uh, first time he's felt 100%, actually bragged about how fast he ran in some of the conditioning stuff, so he feels good. Um uh- asked about Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, recently posted a social media message indicating that his spidey sense is tingling. Beckham responded with a two-word message, the one. It's vague to be sure, but it's worth wondering whether Burrow and Beckham, who both played at LSU, would like to get together. I mean, I could see how Beckham would like that. I could see how it would be a fit for the Cincinnati Bengals as well. They can just add it to their mix of guys. But they got three studs already. Yeah. I don't know that they need it. But he's not going to be back until Thanksgiving anyway. I mean, it's, it's not like it's going to be immediate. No, that one just feels a little bit odd to me in the sense that who, like, for example, the Rams, you knew he could come in and play right away. Tyler Boyd's their inside guy. Their outside guys are T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. He's not taking reps from them. So that one doesn't make a lot of sense to me. There are teams that it does make sense where you come in and he could be, you know, you're looking for a situation where where could he be like a good number two. I think if you went, for example, to Tennessee – that's a good fit. They lose A.J. Brown. I know they drafted Traylon Burks, but give them a, a real – he could be the top outside guy in that offense for them. I always think Green Bay. Green Bay would be, That's, to of me, course, a, a no-brainer. A no-brainer. If, you know, to put him there. Um, who hap- what, hap- what happens in Kansas City? Who knows how that goes as they replace Tyreek? Then you think it was – like? first of all, Tyreek's comments, which we did talk about, are so bizarre to me. Secondly, Juju Smith-Schuster is already saying he could see himself back in Pittsburgh, and he hasn't even, like – played the year yet in Kansas City. I, I missed that. that. I, I missed that. that. Was no, he said, odd, um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, the, the, the Tyreek thing was crazy because the thing was like it had to be said. And I'm like, well, no, it didn't. That's the name of the podcast. It has yeah. to be just had to be said. Yeah. Well, no, it doesn't actually because it's nonsense. That's the result. Of but that. even so, like, if, so even if you have top. all that belief in Tua, and maybe he does, maybe he truly believes what he's saying about Tua. There's no reason to even put that out there publicly. Put it out there privately and then let him go into situation. Like, there's already pressure on him. He's got, mm-hmm. as we talked about, the bevy of weapons at his disposal. But let him just go out there and then succeed. I feel like that makes all the sense in the world. I think that his, um, yes, agreed. And I think that there's, that the other thing, other factor that is Tua obviously has rabbit ears. He hears everything as his press conference would lead you to believe, because he, in one of his press conference last week, he addressed the video that their team put out of him underthrowing Tyreek Hill like he addressed it. What did he say? Just about how, well, I made several throws that, that were, you should have said these, like he addressed the video. Sure, sure. Like, it was crazy. Why, what are you doing? Like, why are you paying attention to it? Get off, put your phone down, man. Yeah. Right. Um, this uh, from Dallas head coach Mike McCarthy sees Dak Prescott running more this season. McCarthy said today that he plans to put more called run quarterback runs in the Cowboys offense this season, saying Prescott now looks completely healed from his ankle injury and ready to make more plays with his legs than he did last year. Um, this honestly feels like Mike McCarthy in Dallas is going to be one of the biggest botches of Jerry Jones's career, and he's had some. But this feels like the absolute worst coach at the absolute worst time because there was a window for them yep. where they had a lot going on 
and this guy, it just feels like you blew it, boy, in every way. So, and when you say more running, what that means is probably a return. So, in the first three years that he was in the league, Dak Prescott, uh, 282 yards, six touchdowns, 21 first downs his first year. Second year, 357 yards rushing, six touchdowns, 29 first downs. Third year, 305 yards rushing, six touchdowns, 25 first downs. Fourth year, it drops to 277 yards rushing and three touchdowns. In 2020, the year he got hurt in only five games, he had 93 yards rushing and three touchdowns and eight first downs. Last year in the entire season, 48 rushes, 146 yards, one touchdown, only seven first downs. So he had fewer first downs rushing in 2021 than he did in five games in 2020. So I think we're reading that as being... He's going to use it. We're going to do a bunch more with the runner. The, no, what you mean is he's going to be a more effective scrambler. We're going to have a few designed, you know, we can use him back in the ways that we did before because 21, 29, so that's 50 and 25. So well, it's perfect. 25 first downs a game in 16 games means he got you one and a half first downs a game with his legs. Yeah. But if memory serves, a lot of that's broken pockets, step up, sure, run. Like they're not, you're not running it with him, you know. Like he's just, but it just comfortable means running. He's a better right for his career. He's a guy that averages prior to last season, you know, over 18 yards a game rushing. Yeah, last year he averaged nine. I think it just means getting him more involved as somebody that is going to extend plays with his legs, extend drives with his legs. Because last year he didn't give you half of a first down a game. And before, he's giving you a first down and a half. Think about it. From an offensive standpoint, that's one more set of three downs that you get. Sure. Maybe that's the difference between you know a punt and, and end up scoring at the end of a drive. So I think that that's what he means. I just don't – to your point, I think that it is sometimes articulated poorly and it does not feel like the right fit for that talent, that town, that – any of it. No, none of it. What was that game last – was that game last year he had all the camel on? So like oh, head, yeah. to so, head to head toe, to toe camel. camel. Yeah. That ain't going to cut it, brother. Not in Big D. That ain't going to get it done. Um, all right. Coming up next, uh, Deshaun Watson addressed the media for the first time today since he was introduced. Uh, we will have that for you coming up next a little bit later on. Z goes one-on-one with Joel Batonio. Good to see big Joel back in the building. That is coming up a little bit later on here in the final hour. Cleveland Browns Daily 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Rumpke Waste Recycling, family-owned and operated. Whether you join them as a customer or as an employee, you'll become part of the family. Visit Rumpke.com to learn more. Deshaun Watson addressed the media right prior to the start of this program. Uh, first time that he's talked and being introduced here as a member of the Cleveland Browns. Uh, here is that press conference. First off, I want to say uh, thank everyone for coming out. Um, and I know I haven't talked to you guys since the last press conference uh, when the signing happened. And uh, just first off, I just want to say, you know, again, thanks to this, to this organization, uh, the Haslam's and AB, Kevin, uh, all the fans that's, that, that's them reached out, my teammates for the, you know, the support and just uh, the welcoming of, you know, being a Cleveland Brown and what it really means. Um, and I also want to thank and appreciate the fan base, um, especially the interactions I've had outside and in the community, uh, that's been awesome. Uh, it's been some some good uh, interactions, and you know when I go out to dinner and to movies and things like that, everything's been pretty good. 
Uh, so I want to thank, you know, the fans and continue want to, you know, show my face in the community and build and build that relationship uh, with all the fans around here because I know that's most important. Uh, and Cleveland is being a Cleveland Brown and, and having the fans and the team, you know, be as one because it's one big family. So I uh, just really wanted to say that um, and looking forward to continue to, like I said before, be in the community. Um, and I'm happy to be a Cleveland Brown. This is going to be my, my home uh, for the rest of my career. That's the plan. And um, yeah, everything's been going good. And I also want to say, uh, I know that there's still legal proceedings still going on. So I know, you know, you guys have a lot of questions that you probably want to answer or want answers to and want to ask. Um, and some of those I'll, I'll try my best to answer, but at the same time, I have to respect <clears throat> the process that is still going on. And, um, I, I may, may not be able to answer those questions. So I hope you guys, you know, respect that and, and let the proceedings continue to work out. But, uh. Um, honestly, it's been, you know, it's been tough, um, you know, just trying to make sure that I, I stay balanced uh, with my, my mental and, and just my social life. But I have a great family. Um, I have a great uh, legal team and I have a great support cast here in this organization. So when I walk into the building, all that stuff is outside. I got to focus on football and my teammates, building that trust with those guys on the football field and off the field and just really just coming to work because the game plan is, you know, the season starts and, and getting everyone on the same page. Like I said before, I, I go each and every day focusing on my tasks and being the best person I can be. I can't control what you know the other side is, is doing with the legal process, but um, like I said before, I just got to continue to just focus on being the best Deshaun Watson I can be for this organization. When you've, when you've met with the when you've met with the NFL, how has that gone? And are you really? Are you concerned with waiting for this decision from the league? Um, yeah, I can't control that. You know, I met with the, the NFL um, a couple weeks ago, and uh, I did everything they asked me to do. I answered every question truthfully uh, that that the NFL asked me. Um, I spent hours with those with those with the people that they brought down, and that's all I can do is just tell them and be honest and, and tell them exactly what happened. And they, I know they have a job, and so I have to respect that. And that's what we want to do is cooperate. And you know, they have to make a decision best for the uh, the league. You know, so. When these cases, if they go before a jury, why should a jury that might hear these cases believe you over dozens of women? Um, I understand that question and I definitely respect it, but I feel like with this environment coming off the football field, it's hard to answer that question, uh, without, especially without talking to anybody on my legal team. Um, but at the same time, you know, I've been honest and I've been truthful about my stance. Um, and that's, you know, I never forced anyone. I never assaulted anyone. So um, that's what, you know, I've, I've been saying it from the beginning. And I'm going to continue to do that. And, and until all the facts come out on the legal side, I have to continue to just, you know, go with the process with my legal team and, and um, you know, the court of law. Deshaun, you've been very adamant about your innocence and stating your innocence. My question is, these allegations have done a tremendous amount of harm to your reputation. Um, have you thought about uh, a, a countersuit for, for defamation because these accusations have been you know, very clear, very strong, and have painted you in such a negative light publicly? Um, I understand that, and I know these allegations uh, is, is very is very serious. 
And, you know, you have to respect that and, and everything that goes with it. And it impacts so many people, not just me and my family and this organization, but people that are outside in the community. This fan base, people from, from the Houston fan base, anyone that was, you know, a fan of mine. But uh, as far as that, um, I haven't gotten into any of that. My biggest thing is just wanting to clear my name so I can get back, you know, being in an environment that, you know, I'm most comfortable in. And that's being in the community and helping people and being that, that role model and leader. Uh, and also being on the football field with my teammates and try to win ball games. So uh, that's that's something that I haven't really been focused on, just really clearing my name and just focusing on doing what's right and, and being honest and, and whatever, whoever I have to answer to, I have to give them the true facts. Sean, when, when we uh, talk to you, you've told us that you, you were not subtle on a court. Yet after that, a report came out that your team offered $100,000 to each of these Accusers. So, which is the truth? Was that money offered, or, or not? Um, I feel like you know, there's a lot of articles that's out there and, and facts and things like that. Um, you know, there was a process that was going on back in November uh, with another organization. Um, so, I can't really get too far in details with that. But you know, with the process that was going on before I became a Cleveland Brown, uh, that's a whole another discussion. To be speaking of uh, uh, articles, the New York Times reported that you booked massages with 66 different women over a 17-month period. Does that number 66 seem right to you? Um, I mean, I can answer. It, it, I, I don't think so uh, for what me and my attorneys went through. But at the same time, you know, that's, a, that's more of a, a legal question that I can't really get into details about. Um, so you'll probably have to ask my attorneys and things like that to confirm. On March 25th, you said that... Uh, you had never disrespected a woman in your life and that you had no regrets about anything you did during these massage sessions. Do you still stand by that statement? Uh, I think, yeah, I think that question uh, kind of, you know, triggered a lot of people, not just women in general, but a lot of people from this, you know, in the lead from women to, to males and things like that. And what I was saying is, yes, I, I never assaulted, disrespected or harassed anyone. But at the same time, I do understand that uh, I do have regrets as far as the impact that it's have on the community and people outside of just myself. You know, and that includes my family, that includes this organization, that includes my teammates in this locker room that have to answer to these questions, that includes, you know, the fan base of the Cleveland Browns, that includes males, females, everyone across the, the world, you know. So uh, that's one thing I do regret is the impact that it's have triggered on so many people. And, um, yeah, it's, it's tough to, to have to, you know, deal with. But as far as your, your actions, you don't have any regrets about anything that you've actually done. You know, like I said, I never assaulted anyone, or I never harassed anyone, or I never disrespected anyone, or I never forced anyone to do anything. Sean, what do you say to your teammates? You just talked about the impact that all these allegations have had on the greater public. But inside that locker room, how do you get these guys to trust in you and believe in you and, and when all these things are out in the media? I just be myself. I come in here with my head held high. I come in here, if any one of those guys need to ask questions or they have any concerns, they know they can come to my locker and ask me. But for ever since I walked in here from day one, these guys have rallied around me and supported me. And if anything popped up, they questions have been asked, and I answered them truthfully. And outside of that, we come in here, we work, we try to be the best Cleveland Brown that we can be, best teammate we can be. And we've had a lot of fun getting to know each other, and especially on the trip to the Bahamas, that was awesome. So uh, these guys have also, you know, came behind me and supported me. What's Russia, a couple more. How have you dealt emotionally with the constant barrage of one lawsuit after another and an HBO special and a New York Times article? Uh, how are you holding up emotionally and what might you do 
between uh, mini camp and training camp to kind of take care of yourself right. or whatever? Uh, yes, ma'am. Um, I think uh, it's been it's been a long uh, year and a half. I can say that um, personally and and just. It's been tough, and since I came here and been and became a Cleveland Brown, I've been able to, you know, uh, use all the resources that the that this organization have, and uh, been able to, you know, start, you know, using counseling and, and talking with someone just to make sure that my mental is straight, and uh, so I can be prepared to walk on this field and be as sharp as I possibly can. And I'm going to continue to do that and be the best person and, and grow as an individual, grow as a human being and just be able to be the best citizen, best person that I can be uh, outside this field, then also when I walk in this building, be the best teammate and player that I can be. Are you open to settling? determination is obviously not up to you, and both sides have agreed to you know, do the civil proceedings next year. But if for some reason it's longer than you would expect or think is fair, um, do you think that you guys would reconsider maybe trying to push it back to this year because it would really be no point in, in, in waiting if hypothetically you're in that situation just for because you say you want to clear your name and you'd be in a position to maybe do that sooner um I'm not sure really you know like I said when it comes down to the lead and their decision uh we have to respect that and, and let them do their process and finish their investigation and report and like I said before I've talked to those talked to the lead and I've been honest and, and told them truthfully of every question that they ask so I have to I can't really have no control on that and then whatever the decision come, then I feel like that's the next step for this organization, this league. Um, we got time for one last question. It's possible. Are you open to settling now? And what would it take to settle these? Uh, like I said, I just want to clear my name and be able to tell, let the facts and the legal uh, legal procedures continue to play out. Um, so right now, that's what that's all I'm doing is is want to clear my name and be able to let all the facts come out in the court of law and, and be able to focus on that. All right, that's it, guys. Since this all began, what, what's different about Deshaun now compared to when this all began? How have you changed? How have your life? How have you changed? How has your life changed? Just being able to focus on uh, myself a little bit and just figure out, you know, how I can be the best human being I can be, best team man I can be, the best son I can be, the best friend I can be, and just focus on that and just having, you know, a smile on my face, walk with my head held high because I know who I really am, and just being the best, you know, citizen I can be in this community. And from like I said before, it's been awesome. Uh, to be able to get out in the community, go to restaurants. Uh, it was one instance where I went to the movies with, with my girlfriend, and uh, it was a group of uh, families, probably 30, and they you know bought us popcorn and invited us to a movie. So I thought that was pretty awesome to be able to get out and let people really know who I really am. So um, that's been, you know, my focus is really just focusing on, you know, Deshaun Watson being the best person I can be. All right, coming up next, we will go over some of the highlights of today's first minicamp practice, get you a little look ahead of what you can expect on Wednesday and Thursday with the mandatory minicamp underway. And a little bit later on, Z will go one-on-one with Joel Batoni. You have that to look forward to, which is nice. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
Elk and Elk Serious Lawyers, Serious Injuries. Call 1-800-ELK-OHIO for a free case review. Elk and Elk is a proud partner of your Cleveland Browns. So day one of minicamp practice in the books. We went over some of the highlights, talked uh, off the top of the hour, top of the show rather, about uh, this defense and how impressive it is, what we're seeing from the offense. I think the key word with this football team, you know, when it is all out there on the field, both sides of the ball is versatility. Offensively, you're going to be used every inch of the field to stress defenses on a play-in, play-out basis. You're going to be able to throw the ball when everybody knows you're going to throw the ball. And on the other side, defensively, you're going to be able to cover every inch of grass, or at least your best position to. That is the word to me when I think of this team, and you see it out on the field. You see the versatility both offensively and defensively. You can do anything that you want or anything that is asked of an offense or defense in the NFL. And I think that's what's exciting about the team that's been assembled, and I think that's what Andrew Barry and, and Paul DePodesta and Kevin Stefanski, why they've done such a good job, and Glenn Cook and Sagany, you know, everybody involved on the personnel side, they've done such a good job of putting together a roster that is equipped to play in the modern NFL, and that's yeah. speed, length, versatility, positionless almost, just getting your best athletes on the field as the game gets more spread out like the college game. You need that on both sides of the ball. You need it offensively to be able to stress these defenses, and then you need defensively to be able to match up with them and to handle the modern offenses and the speed that you're going to see from them. So I think it's a, a great, great situation from a roster-building standpoint. The Browns have done a great job in terms of identifying the kind of players that they want, acquiring them, and then now you, know, you look at a guy like Jacob Phillips. Huge linchpin, I think. Can he stay healthy? If yes, I think the sky's the limit. But we have a Anthony Walker Jr. was our leading tackler a year ago. Veteran can do it all for you. So you have that insurance. And I think that's the thing about this roster is that it's not paper thin. You've got depth at the majority of places that you really want to feel like you have depth and, and you know in safety or three deep there four if Rich LeCount continues to play the way that he has. You are at the cornerback position, you know, a legitimate five deep. Maybe even they like Herb Miller, so maybe even six, but definitely five deep. And so it's a roster that was built to be flexible. It was a roster that was built to give schematic advantages and, and also allow little variations because so many people, as you pointed out so many times with the safeties and, and some of the DBs and even the linebackers, so many of them are built the same and so they and can do a lot of the same things. And so you have the ability to disguise what you're doing. And if you yeah. can do that week to week, uh, Joe Wood said something to me I thought was really interesting. He said, my goal as a defensive coordinator is to make sure that I force a quarterback to beat me on a Sunday and not to have a coordinator beat me during the week. And what he meant by that is that he is able to be versatile enough and have a, enough disguise and deception and, and variation in what he wants to do so that it takes a quarterback to think for a little bit, maybe get a big play off of that extra beat of thinking, but have to adjust to that and overcome it as opposed to being out-schemed. And I think that it's, it's a simple concept, but I think it's also a very good one. And I think our personnel allows for us to have the kind of flexibility that will allow Joe Woods to be able to do that consistently this year. You know, it struck me as you, you were going through some of the highlights there uh, so eloquently as you oftentimes do, my friend. As you mentioned we, we, in this break, you talked about Jacob Phillips. Uh, earlier today, you talked about Jordan Elliott. Uh, we talked about Nick Harris, obviously, at center stepping in there. Um, and, and now I think of this year, potentially, this is what Jer Jerome Ford, you think about Dearness Johnson. These are guys who have been in the program for a while and it's not just identifying talent, it's also developing it while it's on your roster so that when opportunity is ready, you are. And these guys are, have been in this program for a while now. These are mid-round picks that have been developed yeah. into now being contributors. 
that's the mark of a truly great organization is that it's not just your ones and twos that hit. It's your threes, your fours, your fives, your sixes. You get those guys that can hit, and those guys are riddled all over this roster. That's what allows for you to maintain success. Because you need to. Otherwise, you can't do it can't do really it. any other way. You can go just from the defensive side of things, right, on the on the exterior of your defensive line. You know, you're hoping Alex Wright comes through. He's a third-round pick, and, and that's not a first or a second. Again, that's a third-round pick. You go to the interior, Jordan Elliott, third-round pick. Togei, fourth-round pick. Perrion Winfrey, fourth-round pick. Your linebackers, Taki was a third-round pick. Jacob Phillips was a third-round pick in your organization, and you've been able to develop them. A guy like Tony Fields, a fifth-round pick from a year ago, is he ready to take a step forward and play special teams for you, be that fifth linebacker? Willie Harvey Jr. has been in your program for a while as an undrafted free agent. Is he somebody that can have an impact? And then you go to the back end of the defense. You know, Grant was a second-round pick, but you've developed him, and now it looks like he's on the precipice of being a star. Rich LeCount, the sixth-round pick for you there. You go on the offense, and you think, about the fact that you know Nick Chubb was a second round pick, Dearness undrafted, Jerome Ford fifth round this year, Donovan Peoples Jones was a sixth round pick for yeah. you that you're getting quality production out of. You know Anthony Schwartz a third round pick again, Nick Harris was a fifth round pick that you got from moving back a few spots and still got Grant Delpit, and then you were able to get Nick Harris basically for free, and he's coming through. You know James Hudson's a guy they want to continue to develop as a fourth rounder at tackle. Hans and Dunn guys they identified as undrafted free agents or picked up from around other teams around the league and brought them into the fold and have coached them up into being you know starting level performers and so you're exactly right you have to be able to do that hit Harrison Bryant was a fourth round pick at the tight end position so being able to get production from guys picked in rounds three four five six seven which we've listed that's huge you know them getting better and well that's because we yeah, have they, very they develop, good right they're developed we have great position, great position coaching coaches. you talk to anybody being in the league and we talk so much attention is given to coordinators and head coaches and all of that and rightfully so but the great position coaches develop the players underneath them absolutely so you get a fourth round pick a fifth round pick a sixth round pick you develop them and in a couple of years they're a starter it's a longer play it is it gives you such a stable roster versus the, when you have to fill out the bottom of your roster through free agency through cuts we don't have to do that like it's set it's just a matter of do you go from you and this is what we're saying with these guys you go from guys who are bottom of the roster mid low round picks to starters yeah they've gotten better here not playing significant roles and now ready for significant roles that's what the great organizations do you've got to you got to hit on some of those and some undraft as we talked yeah. about you know a guy like aj green who came in was very productive at oklahoma state and and he has grown and been groomed in this system and you know he's the last cleveland brown to ever intercept ben roethlisberger as he did in that game on monday night so yeah, there are, I think there are good examples, and I think your point is well taken. You've got some real investments at premium spots, obviously, but at the same time, you have been able to identify guys and have them grow. I mean, look at the way Wyatt Teller – I mean, Wyatt Teller was traded yeah. to us by the Bills for not much, if I'm not mistaken, a late-round pick, just a, a kind of a yeah. swap there. And you got Wyatt Teller, and now he's you know an all-pro. So those are the types of moves that you make that change a franchise. And it is to your, very much to your point. It's the development of those guys that allows your franchise to be good. You can't have a team of all first-round picks. And quite frankly, one of the things that as a Browns fan you have to feel better about than you would in some other organizations that don't have as good of track records is that you have the ability over the next – we've already gone one season without, but you're going to have two more without a first-round pick. And yet – you know, you feel pretty good about this draft class already. Yeah. And, and you feel pretty good about your ability to maintain your ability to add 
quality players in the draft in the coming years, even though you have two more without a first rounder. So it, it when you watch this team, when you come out here at training camp, what you're going to see is a team that it, it really, it stands out how talented it is, how athletic it is, and how deep it is, I think, at some very important spots. Yeah, it is. You go through the names and that 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 bears out. Coming up next, a guy we haven't seen for a while, but excited to get to see Joel Batonio Zigo's one-on-one. Coming up next, you're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. You're out there thinking about upgrading your enterprise operating system, but you can't afford the downtime and disruption that goes with a major overhaul. With my friends at EOX Vantage, you can. They're data scientists, also business ops experts. Your EOX Vantage team does not rip and replace approach to improving your operation systems. Instead, they help you build onto what you already have so you make the best use of your investment, both old and new. So if you're fearing your employees will stress out over your new systems, EOX Vantage works to ensure that your people can easily adopt their new workflows at comfortable pace. You can start out by making easily manageable changes and add on more when the time is right. Read how other business owners have overhauled their systems without overwhelming their people at EOXVantage.com. One of the guys we could not wait to see at the onset of camp was Joel Batonio. He reported on Monday. Z chatted with him. Let's have a listen. Joined now by Browns Pro Bowl left guard Joel Batonio. And Joel, first of all, great to see you, man. How you been doing? I've been great. You know, got a lot of family time this offseason. You know, time to work out as well, but it's it's always good to be back in Cleveland and uh, around the guys. So you're back now. You guys getting ready for this mini camp. And, and what are you hoping personally as a guy, the longest tenured Brown, you're a veteran, you know how to keep your body right, you know this offense well, third year in a row in the same system, which has to be music to your ears. What are you hoping to come, uh, come away from this mini camp with? Yeah, it's just good to um, get out the guys, kind of see where everybody's at. You know, I know we did some uh, some work in the Bahamas together, and we got some of the plays down out there. But um, honestly, it's just to be around the guys and uh, you know get a feel for our practices running and and really just you know um, get used to cadences and all those fun things that you you, you know do in the preseason. But um, I'm looking forward to really seeing the guys and just being around everybody and, and having a good uh, good mini camp. What's it going to be like for you? You're one of the guys who's had a normal mini camp here in, in Berea. A lot of these guys haven't, you know, to get to have kind of that normal off season again. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, COVID's kind of wrecked the last two off seasons. So to have a, a normal mini camp and to be back, you know, um, you know, I think Coach Stefanski's actually, you know, changing it up a little bit, even from the norm. So uh, we're going to have a few different practice sites and things like that. But um, it's a good time. I think I think it's good to get back in the flow of things for guys that are, you know, they, they can refocus and, and then, take that four or five week break and, and really get ready for training camp. So you mentioned you went to the Bahamas. How was it? Oh, it was a great time. Uh, you know, we had a lot of guys. I think it was like 27, 28, you know, offensive players, which is which is a good amount of guys. And we, we got some work in. We had some fun. You know, it was uh, it was a cool trip. Deshaun really took care of us out there. So it was, it was fun to be out there. And uh, and really, that, that's when you, you get to know the guys. You know, I think you, you talk to guys that like retire and are away from the game. The best part is just being around the guys, being in the locker room, being those things. And, and to do that in a place like that, it was it was pretty cool. So you haven't seen him on the field yet. I'm sure you've been watching tape, so you've seen the tape of the practice. You know what he's capable of. But what were your impressions of him just off the field as a leader and the guy who's going to be, you know, running this offense? Yeah, you know, my interactions, we've texted a bunch. And, uh, you know, the trip to the Bahamas. And obviously I've watched film and, you know, seen him play. Uh, been at the Pro Bowl with him, you know, once or twice. And uh, he's a gamer. You know, he goes out on the field and he, he, he makes plays for his teammates. He, he makes the guys around him better. And he, he works hard. And, um, you know, that's what you can ask in a – and a quarterback, and he's going to, you know, hold himself accountable and, and hold the, the rest of the guys accountable to, you know, execute the offense. 
Is that one of the your favorite flexes to drop? Yeah, we've 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 been together at the Pro Bowl. No big deal. You know, honestly, it's just easy. You know, it's like, yeah, I I, I know him. You know, I've played with him. You know, and, and so you throw it out there. But it's it's a good one to have in the back pocket. It's right out of the Joe Thomas playbook. There's no doubt about it. Exactly, you learn from the best. You know, absolutely. So here you guys are. Are you kind of excited to see what the evolution is now when you've got a guy like Deshaun, where you guys are going to be able to probably throw the football a little bit more than we have in the past? Are you excited for that? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what, what type of wrinkles we put in the offense and, and how it transforms because we know what, you know, Coach Stefanski wants to do. We want to run the ball. We want to play action. But when you have a dynamic guy back there that can, you know, run the ball a little bit more and, and take some shots, like, it'll, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, where we take it. For the first time in a long time, when you look to your right, you will not see J.C. Treader. He was an absolute iron man for this franchise, a tremendous player. Now Nick Harris is going to get a shot. And we saw Nick against Green Bay last year, played phenomenally well in that game. What is your kind of your impressions of Nick so far? And are you excited to get to – I know you won't want to have somebody new, but that's the way this business works. And so now Nick gets the opportunity. Yeah, I mean, you know, J.C.'s my guy. He uh, he gave it all and, and you know – he, he worked hard for this, and he's, you know, someone that, you know, one of my dear friends forever. But, um, you know, Nick's worked hard this offseason. I know he's put on some muscle, and he's he's smart enough, he's athletic enough to, to really know what he's doing. And now it's just – he's honestly had the reps, too. We've practiced with him a bunch and, uh, you know, preseason and things like that. So I think he'll, he'll be ready to go, and, you know, he's uh, he's excited to take that next step. And I, I know as, like, a young guy, when you're sitting behind, you're like, I want to play, I want to play, you know, to get that opportunity, I think he's going to be pretty excited to go out there and do it. Can you believe it's 2022 you're still playing left guard for the Cleveland Browns and just kind of the journey that you've been on? Yeah, you know, you never really know how it's going to happen. You know, you look back on it and you think about, you know, nine years now being here and, and being the most tender guy. The building's changing. Everything's changing. But, uh, you know, it's been a heck of a journey, and hopefully, you know, we can we can cap it off with some uh, winning seasons coming up. Absolutely. Joel, thanks for the time. Great seeing you. Yeah, not a problem. Thanks. Always great seeing Joel back in the mix. And um, I, I like that you called him out on the uh, on the Pro Bowl. That is a that's a Hoff move. I used to like that is a Hoff move. such a great flex. Yeah, it's such no, a great flex. I used to like when you do it in front of JC, like he would do the, yeah. Joel would do it in front of JC, yeah. which is always fun. Because uh, JC, quite frankly, should have been a lot. Multiple time he Pro Bowl. really one of the more underrated guys. Um, Joel's. Uh, Joel's job this year of bring. I'm glad you asked, him and I knew you would. As enormous B as yourself, the the bringing along of Nick Harris. You want to talk? We talk a lot about quarterbacks being put in a position to succeed. I don't know that anyone in the league is going to be put in a better position to succeed than Nick Harris with those two guards and that offensive line coach. If he's a pro. There ain't no better way to find out than with that group around him. And the wild thing, if you remember, is Nick Harris's only start, which was against Green Bay on Christmas Day. He didn't even have Joel to his left because sure. Joel was playing left tackle that day. And so we had Michael Dunn, and, and yet Harris turned in a brilliant performance. I think he was uh, 41 pass-blocking snaps on a single pressure allowed. He was great in the run game. His movement skills are tremendous, and he's worked so hard on his body. We had him in here. We were talking to him about you know just his commitment, dedication. There's never been a time that I've been down in the weight area and I've been trying to get in there as much as I can, brother. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Look at the pythons going. <laughs> but there's never a time that he's not down there. I mean, he's, yeah. he's working there, and it was all offseason when, you know, there'd only be a couple guys here. He was here every single day uh, putting in that work because I think this is the opportunity he's waited for. And he's a guy that, you know, you go back to at Washington, back to back, all Pac 12 center his last two years. I think he allowed one pressure in two seasons. Yeah. Uh, so he he is a talented guy and and somebody who you know as as Bill Callahan told us if this guy if he was two inches taller he's a, you know early second round pick late right. first round pick but a little undersized but it works in our scheme because it's about movement it's about leverage he understands both of those things very well and he's athletic enough to do the movement side of it and so yeah I think Nick Harris is going to be a very talented guy 
for the Browns, and it goes back to your point. You pick them up in the fifth round, and yep. that allows you to lose somebody the ilk of a J.C. Treader. But you've got Nick Harris, who's, remember, he got all the training camp reps. He often got lots of reps during the week, and Joel alluded to that uh, in our talk right there. So this is a guy who's very prepared for this opportunity. He's actually taken numerous reps. It's not like the first time he started taking reps in between, you know, Wyatt and Joel was today, which would have been the first day yep. this year that Joel was present. So that is helpful, and it goes back to your original point that they've done a very good job crafting this roster and hitting and getting contributions out of guys that typically you don't get contributions out of. I mean, the percentages of fifth-rounders that are starting in the league or sixth-rounders that are starting in the league is very, very small, and the Browns have gotten contributions from those rounds pretty regularly under Andrew Barrett. I just saw, I don't know how I missed this, maybe because of all the stuff that was happening in the lead-up to the show, I just saw some video of Cade York kicking. Yeah, he hits bombs. Very good. I had a video of Zagura catching him, but neither one of you could see him. Sorry, Green. Just it Green came in like, came, like it I was could, this tiny, yeah, with like a, and then I actually had to. I'm like, well, what is this? So I actually downloaded same. it, still to get into my files, and even then, still unacceptable. I it could not tell what it was. It was, you know, sad. sad. No problem. So I was out there today, like and, a yeti, and, or and I like to stand. So they went from the red zone seven on seven, and I like to stand kind of behind the end zone. I usually stand behind Jeff Howard because it helps me. I can hear what he's saying to the DBs and what he's looking at, and it's also a good way to kind of see the field, see the concepts unfold offensively and defensively. And so I was watching that, and then they went right from that to Cade your kicking, and I think Cade went. I don't know how many kicks did he put up. He seven of eight, I think, is yeah. What he I did miss right. the last one, which was from deep, and everybody's hooting and hollering at him. And he was pissed that he missed it. The other ones though were just rockets, and they're all right through. And so Jimmy was down there and needed a little a hand trying to to shag the balls. They didn't even have normally Brad's doing the good. Coach Tarver was was, I was doing that. Say they had a bunch of backups today. Yeah, a bunch of backups today. And so I went back there, and and you know, Cade just hits the ball with such force that when it comes down, it is yeah. coming down <laughs> fast. Yeah. And I had two that came close enough for like I wasn't going to run and try to catch any no thanks but two that came reasonably close to me I went two for two Jimmy went Jimmy got his as well and then we were throwing it to Tarver and Tarver now that his neck's fine he told me yesterday he got, he got some 40 push-ups in so he's like feeling great he was like running routes for us when we were throwing the ball back to him he was like giddy like a, a kid so that was fun to see but he absolutely booms it and it's funny I was talking with uh with Jimmy and the equipment guy and he said like the way the ball comes down when you catch it is like the way that Chase kicked it, it kind of like the ball would go out and then it kind of just kind of float float yeah. down. These are like, <laughs> yeah, like just absolute rockets. There's certain times when you've t when you've seen um, whether you're at a, at a back in the day when you used to go to Major League Baseball games, you'd hear a certain guy at batting practice yep. and it just sounded different. Yep. Uh, Vlad Guerrero, I remember at the home run derby, like it just the ball off of his bat. It was well, that's different. That's that was unlike the previous guy. That was different. That's what this looks like to yes. me. It looks like it sounds different coming off his foot. It does. It it is different off of his foot, and it reminds me. The only thing that I've heard, and I talked with Pre about this, was. Andy Lee, when he was the punter, when he came here, yeah. the first time he punted, everybody's like, what? What does that sound? And and he does that as a kicker. And Andy Lee, by the way, has been pretty – if he can be to kicking what Andy Lee has been to punting, that'll be a wonderful thing for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, it's just it's a tremendous thing to see him on there. And it's one of those things that there's so much going on with this football team, that, but these little pieces, and you think about our division and how good you have to be at that position to win it. The best, some of the best in the league, and the, maybe the best of all time in our division. So you have got to have that, and it, it this you don't want to put this on this kid because it's different. He wants, but, but it feels like he wants it. He, he feels wants like it. he's very calm. Have we ha we haven't had him in here, have we? I've talked to him 
on the rookie meet the rookies which is probably on your dvr on my dvr yeah um he's awesome i wish one day we could get the so i wish we could get the the full full thing with him because he he is he's a good kid we'll enjoy it if we have any he's cultivating a mustache right now oh okay how's nice it coming look. in looked good looked good i saw him yesterday and i was like you you going with that thing as you know as a, uh my father's had a mustache my whole life Same. pedro's had one for your whole life yeah the key to the mustache game is is to get you need it all you, the length on the top has to come all the way to the lip that's yep. right if you want the selick elliot pedro Ponderosa pops. That's what you need. You have to have that, and that takes a long time to get that length. I don't have the patience because then you start like chewing on it. Well, you yeah, you clip it. You got to keep this all short. But in order to get that full thick, you need the top layer to to be all the way. That length is what's required. You have to have it, and that takes. I mean, even it even when I've you know like when I've done no shave November whatever, and I not shave for a month, you're still not even really close to that. Like it would probably yes. be for me, I would say probably like three months of growth, at least two months of growth to get to a point to where it's the true. It's got to be full, full mustache. Full yeah. Effect. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's really the length that's required uh, is that is 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 that. Well, that I mean, that's to, to wear the mustache and not be ironical. Few can pull it off. No, it's a part of who you are. It's part of your ethos. Yeah. 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 And I don't know that there's much of that now. I feel like more now they're like either hipster or ironic mustaches. Say, there's yeah. very few where it's like you're just that's just a, a nice mustache that you were supposed you're supposed to have that. I was trying to think if there's anybody young that is wearing one unless it's like somebody wearing one for a part. Sure. Like the new Top Gun, Rooster has a mustache, but it's clearly an homage to Goose. Goose. Yep. Yeah. Have you seen? Yet still hasn't. Still have not. No, waiting for the IMAX. The kids want to go, so we were waiting for them to come back. So soon, it soon. Means, uh, yeah. Everybody says it's the best movie ever, and I heard Jurassic did not live up to the. How could the hype. it? I mean, yeah. it's Chris Pratt running around with a dinosaur in a backpack on a motorcycle. Like, what are we yeah. doing? That's not what Jurassic Park was no. about. Top Gun's gonna be. I just can't wait. Yeah. And yeah, did you see? Like you saw it in what theater? IMAX in Columbus. I was down in Columbus. Right, for and Memorial. you did not see it in IMAX. No, no. But it. It's, I think either way you're on a giant right. screen, you just have to see it on an IMAX is extraordinary. But like I, I'm catching the littles up. Yeah. Like I'm because it's totally there's only one scene with like for Bootsy, but the two olders would be fine with it. So I'm catching them up on the other parts of the original and so that they can get to a point to where they understand what's going on in it. But I, th- I mean, it's honestly much safer for not your kids are older. So it's not a deal, but it's much safer for the kids than the original was by a pretty wide margin. Uh, so much more to come. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Gibby. Gentlemen. Hello, Gibby. Happy National Bourbon Day. Today's the day. Today oh boy, is the day. Wow. Oh Wait, boy, it's not a first Friday either. I know it's a first Friday Eve. Mm. Oh man. Legend has it that the date on which National Bourbon Day is celebrated is the anniversary of the very first time this famous drink was distilled way back in the late 1700s. Gosh, do you know who was the first distiller? I don't. Do you? Uh, I know. <sighs> Old Forrester's been doing it for an awful long time. Um, Basil Hayden is another one. 
that's been around for an awful long time. Um, I think Old Forster has some claim to that. The first one, the oldest bourbon distillery in the world, uh, was Burke's Distillery that goes back to 1773. Wow. Yeah, that's... The first commercial distillery was Evan Williams. Okay. Still doing it today, by the way. And they're, they have, a, uh, uh, I believe, a 12-year that's very fine. The Samuels family claims the title of the oldest bourbon family is still going strong. Story beef that the family began making whiskey in 1783 when Robert Samuels created a secret family recipe. The family made a business of bourbon around 1840 when T.W. Samuels constructed a distillery at Samuels Depot in Kentucky. It's the first commercial distillery in Kentucky, 1783, Evan Williams. 1785, Bourbon County, Kentucky is established. 1789, Elijah Craig who was considered the father of bourbon. There you go. What do you what do you have a drink? Like what which uh what are you doing on a national I'm going to be real honest day? with you on a 98 degree night, probably not any of them. Yeah. <laughs> like it's so, a bit, you know, to me it's that's more of a chill, a cool it's that's hard on a hot night. I will tell you this that Buffalo Trace claims to be the oldest continuous continuously working distillery. In Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. Like, the people who have done it are the people who have done it for a very long time at a very, very high level. That's right. You know? That's right. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, so here you go. Yeah, I thought I had something on Old Forester. Um, Old Forester produced by Brown Foreman. It has been on the market continuously for longer than any other bourbon, 150 years. So, Old Forester, that's like 1870. Yeah. Continuously, um, first bourbon sold exclusively in sealed bottles. I thought that was the okay. case on that one. So there you go. There it is. But there's a lot of good ones, and all of those still operational and all have good offerings. So enjoy your whiskey if you're going to have one today. Uh, the next level is coming up next. We are back tomorrow. Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and ESPN 850 WKNR.